Good morning or good afternoon or whenever you're listening <laughs> to the podcast. Uh, welcome to the In Between Podcast. Uh, it's morning for us. That's why I'm tempted to say good morning. Um, and quick note, John Redfern has been kicked off the table because we have a very special guest this morning. Uh, Chris, how about you introduce him? I would love to. Today, we have a, uh, a special guest, Dr. Bob Livesay. Um, Dr. Bob, you've, if you're part of South Spring, you've heard him preach. You may have been in one of his classes. Um, Dr. Bob's been married to Ann for 51. Not quite 51. Not quite 51. Are you at 50, between 50 and 51? We are. That's There you go. So for her, it's at least 51 years. Oh. Um, the... Uh, if you, if you average out the pain, the, um, uh, so, so Dr. Bob had, he works for East West ministries. He, uh, he was at DTS as a student a long time ago. Did you ever teach at DTS adjunct or. Well, what we did actually as seniors, there were 10 of us that were asked to teach, uh, the people in Dallas that, uh, would come for a whole semester. Yeah. Yeah. But no, as far as adjunct, uh, no, not with Dallas Seminary. Okay, I was just curious. I was with Grace Seminary okay. out of the Woodlands, but not not at Dallas. The um, you've been pastor, missionary, yes. teachers, yeah. all kinds of different ministry roles that that Bob has had, and uh, and Bob is one of my uh, personal shepherds. I asked a couple of men about a year, year and a half ago, to to step into my life as as personal shepherds, men who. Um, could engage in my life in a, in a different way, in a unique way. And uh, the other one's going to be preaching this Sunday, um, Wayne Broderick. And so, uh, but, but so Bob, things Bob and I get together about once a month, spend some time together. And just recently when Bob and I were together, he mentioned something and it just struck me. We've been talking about in this room and in other rooms here at the church about this whole coming back from covid um, and that's why we're Nehemiah, right, returning from the exile. Um, and so Bob had some thoughts as we were talking that I thought, this is, I don't know how to recreate those thoughts because it's my, not my area of expertise. And yet that these are thoughts that people need to have. We need to have on record and people need to hear. And so John and these three guys could tell you that I, I tried before a podcast to recreate a little bit. And then I was like, no, we just need to, I just need to have him here. So <laughs> Uh, and then we met, we talked that day and that day I was like, now's the time. Now's the time we need to do it. So anyway, that's, uh, that's who we have as a guest today. And, uh, any, any comments first on this last Sunday or, um, with Stephen Young, any, any thoughts? I just was so impressed with, and this probably comes from just his tenure as a pastor, the clear clarion call. Yeah. I mean, even just kind of the. Yeah, I it was even struck by his prayer at the end when he was praying the, you know, what if the, the quote of what if all Christians looked like me from, mm. you know, obviously referencing Jesus. And yet he was clearly saying me. I mean, just the pastoral role to take the stand and say, no, 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 this is what the biblical text says. I am a leader. And now you need to say it. I am right, a leader. Right. I mean, again, just the clarion call was, was super clear. And I appreciate it. I appreciated his message and what he brought. Yep, that was that was cool. Um, Paul and I were also blown away. Those of us who happened, there's a handful of us who get to hear both services. Yeah, at how he preached two different sermons almost. Did you really? It was it was amazing. Uh, and, and whether that was judging the audience, yeah, I mean, he was just super attentive to 
who was there and how responsive they were or whether that was just getting through the material once and then in his own head systemizing it a second yeah. you know a different a different time but and and it wasn't like oh the first was eh, okay and the second was oh that was good no yeah. i mean both were <laughs> they were both, both great were really good i got yeah. to hear two good mm-hmm. sermons on sunday first yeah. service the second service yeah um which will be different from wayne this week because mm-hmm. typically wayne's is pretty much verbatim he memorizes them verbatim because he's just ridiculously smart beyond mm-hmm. me that could never pull that off that's that's just crazy I'd be more likely to be more like Steve, and I could I could adjust mm-hmm. and adapt, and we do that sometime between the services. But I do I agree. And, I thought Stephen's sermon was great, and maybe for Wayne, even Sermons. too, you just have to do that for because he preaches three times on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. how he how many times alone he does yeah. three services in the morning? So two are in body, and one is out of body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's I've, what I've done it at his church. That's exactly what that, it feels that's like. That's exactly what, <laughs> what it feels. Yeah, you feel? Did I just say that? Did I just yeah. say yeah. that? I, just yeah. that. <laughs> I was curious if you ever well, like I better skip. just say it if I haven't said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you ever do, have you ever gotten to the end and like? I left, just, out you left out a section. Left out a section. It's like my, I've said it twice. I thought I, had <laughs> I thought I'd already said it. Man, that's hilarious. I have I have yeah, said things and then looked at the audience like, wait, did I just repeat myself? Like, are they all looking at me like I'm crazy because I just said it twice in a row? The exact same. Yes. I never like preaching for sure. <laughs> yep, it's tough. Okay, so what we're talking about and what I'd love to get Bob to share uh, some of his thoughts on as well, and let us ask you know pepper him with questions and stuff, but. Is this as we're as we're looking at coming back? And one of the other things, and and again, if you're listening to this and you have thoughts on this, and you know this room is part of that conversation, we really want to this summer partner with several ministries, spend some money, and do a some kind of get back to church uh, advertising blast in the community, mm-hmm. like just to remind everybody, listen. If, if you've never been to church or you've not been to church after COVID, you recognize you need a community. That is a tremendous uh, opportunity and suggestion. Yeah. We're, we're, it, 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 and if, you, if you've been in church, it's time to get back. Because people, I think there are some people out there who are kind of enjoying, you know, First Mattress and getting to see, well, yeah. <laughs> getting to see so, church without having that go. And Yeah. The Church of the Inner Spring. <laughs> Bedside Baptist. I might have to use the Inner Spring. That's that's, that's good, good yeah, for that's us, good especially. That's really good for us. So, so Bob, you mentioned as we were talking about it, you mentioned particularly you started with a passage, and I don't even remember where it was. I know that what stood out to me, and what I wrote down in my notes, was that it had this concept of paroxysm. Yes. Okay. Could you unpack that a little bit for sure. our listeners and for us, and then let us kind of expand on that idea well the the concept comes from a specific scripture and the scripture comes from uh, the book of hebrews and in hebrews you have an awful lot of people that should have been moving on toward maturity but uh, had actually fallen back because of uh, the fear of people the fear of man Mm. and so uh, there are a lot of things that cause fear in our lives you can have uh, the fear of COVID, not just the fear of persecution. And uh, and then when the state mandates that you keep the social distance, that just uh, heightens the fear a bit to actually come back and to experience a closer sense of community. So there, there's legitimate fear and there's illegitimate fear in a sense. But what the author of Hebrews does is, is say, I'm going to be direct with you and I'm going to bring some exhortation to you. 
And what he does in chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, is say, uh, let us consider how to stimulate one another Mm. to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, which is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day of Christ's return, day, you know, coming. Mm. And so what you have here is is a, an, an admission, an observation by the author that people are falling away, that people are not showing up, that people are staying home, whatever the case may be. And for whatever reason, if it's persecution or if it's COVID in our day and time, with the uh, ban being lifted now by uh, our Governor Abbott, uh, there's not that uh, requ- requirement for us to uh, stay away. And so what the author is saying is, <clears throat> I want you to consider how you can be a part of one another's lives in the body of Christ. Okay. And not be separated, not be isolated, because real issues happen not only in marriage when you're isolated from one another, right? Mm. but in all relationships when we no longer, as God has made us relationally, as the triunity, he wants us to be in relationship continually with one another. So consider how... You can stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And he, then he broadly said, and you can't really do that unless you're assembling, gathering together. And right. that was the original word, which we didn't talk about, but ecclesia called out literally from the Greek kaleo and, uh, and out means called out. We're called out from this world to assemble together, to encourage, to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. So, we're to let our light shine before men in such a way that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven, Jesus said. But the point is, what do we do now? What do we do? Well, we ought to be considering, coming off of COVID now, we ought to be considering how to stimulate one another. And mm-hmm. what uh, what my pastor is suggesting here is this word uh, stimulate uh, from paroxmos, the Greek word. Uh, the word stimulate, if you turn in the New International Version means they translate it to spur one another on. Mm-hmm. That's not bad because I, I rode a lot of horses and and we use spurs and boy <laughs> that causes a horse to jump forward when you spur him. I get that, uh, but let me go to the original language and tell you what that means. Uh, paroxmos is literally a involuntary convulsion. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, you know, our, our English language comes from Latin and Greek primarily. And so uh, if you asked a doctor, which I have done, uh, what do you know that word paroxmos? And they start scratching their theological heads over their nomenclature. And they go, yeah, I think that, that, that that's a paroxysm according to the medical field. Right. And they said, you're right, that's, a, that's an involuntary convulsion. It's kind of like when someone, if you've ever seen someone have an epileptic fit, mm-hmm. then they fall down, they're, they're uncontrolled. They have no control over their own body. It just uh, starts uh, convulsing, and oftentimes they, they end up in a fetal position. And the first one I saw, I was a paper boy in the eighth grade in Des Moines, Iowa, and I saw someone on my paper out as I was walking and have an epileptic attack. And when you see that you're 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 deeply grieved for the individuals, their eyes roll back and their tongue, you got to keep it from being swallowed, 
and all that kind of stuff. But the point of it is, is that there is something that is almost uncontrollable when we are with brothers and sisters in Christ, and we see Christ in them doing an incredible work where they're testifying, they're praising God, they're, they're really giving God glory for the things that are happening in their life. And when that happens, then there's this response by the Spirit of God living in us as we're identified fully with him, that, that we respond, and it's, and it's beyond just control. It's like it just naturally, or should we say supernaturally because of his indwelling, mm-hmm. happens through us that we respond to that, and we grow in like way. We want to do things that are good to bring him honor and glory as well. And so basically what the author is saying is we ought to have that kind of one-on-one fellowship with one another in the body of Christ where there is a response uh, to Christ working in others that we hear about that we want to be like and experience ourselves. Now, you can't do that at home. Mm -hmm. You can't do that, I'm saying, in isolation. We need one another to accomplish that, to watch God work. And the people that are are resistant, you know, that go to Bedside Baptist, let's say, in sort of a joking way, uh, that don't have the blanket victory, and, and, you know, what do you say about those kind of people? Jeez. They're missing out. We're not going to judge them. We're saying that they're <clears> missing <throat> out, and they're not fulfilling the purpose of what koinonia, the Greek word for fellowship, really is. It's not, and I have to confess, I, I love Krispy Kreme donuts, and and I think of them, and Amen. I think of really good coffee, But and, and we have those things here at South Spring, but that isn't fellowship. Those things right. are nice to have, right. but the fellowship is the <clears throat> stimulation. The fellowship biblically is, the koinonia is the, is the actual spurring on, the stimulating, the, the, the causing of a response to grow because of what they see in your life and you see in their life. Mm-hmm. So that's what I want to say. And, and I don't think, Chris, I think one of the statements I made is I don't, in my experience, I guess I was on staff uh, in church in churches for 32 years. Okay. And what I have observed is that you really can't be a growing Christian apart from that kind of fellowship and stimulation. Yeah. You can't do it on your own. Uh, I think you should have a personal walk and time in scripture and journal because journaling helps me so much meditate, you know, uh, Joshua one nine. Yeah. You know, uh, this book so of the law. What? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so go ahead. Not, well, you know, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You should be talking about it. You would, you shall meditate on it. That's your mind. Right. And and then that your path might be clear and that's your direction. So all those things happen, and that's all good. But we, we're made to be a part with one another in this whole growth process. My conclusion is you can't really grow as a Christian unless you're assembling, gathering, getting together in the body of Christ. Right. Okay, good. Thoughts? What do you got there? I mean, I think, again, when you're going back to this this usage that you were saying in Hebrews, you know, 1024 of this, you know, it's a strong word. There's no lightness to this idea of provoke or yeah. um, to stimulate, as we we're kind of saying. that there's, There seems to be, I mean, quite a strong sense to the usage of this because the only – 
at least in this form, the only other form that it shows up in is Acts fifteen thirty nine, when Paul and Barnabas separate. And there it's That's right. often translated as like a sharp disagreement. Okay. And so almost in the same way of like, it's, it's not, it's not a word that you can settle lightly on. You have to be divided by it. You either are in it, in it together or you're in it apart. And this is, I think, again, this idea of provoking, you know, mm. comes with this concept of you're, you're not just kind of lightly walking kind of along with the flow, kind One of going the wrong things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it is that you are being, you're being irritated. You're being provoked. You're being responsive towards something. And, and again, the fact that that, that notion coming from, Oh, well, I can turn on my TV while I sit in the couch and mm. just kind of watch this. And when it, when it annoys me, uh. I can turn it off or, <laughs> you know, all the different things like it, it, it lacks that kind of, again, strength that comes in this gathering uh. together that I, I only, I think again, relationships do. Um, and I think this is why, you know, we, we are called to do this walk together, not to do it alone. Kind of the Thomas Merton, no man is an island, you know, kind of understanding of, yeah. you know, if we, if we're just going about it in our own ways, we can define it by our own ways. That's right. And, and that seems like a dangerous place to be. We need each other. And that's where our culture is now a hundred percent. Everybody yeah, is an island. Exactly. And wow. What a huge need. Well, that's our, unfortunately, that can also be our Christian culture. Right. Mm-hmm. Where we, where we can even gather on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And just go to the first five or ten percent of that fellowship by just greeting people, right? But then just be sort of isolated as we listen, and uh, speaking as a man, try to sing, you know. <laughs> so, so yeah. but we can sit there and be a little bit isolated and never really accomplish it, but think that we have because we've gone to church, right? I think that's really dangerous. So you so we you're not going to find it out thinking we're growing and we're not. Mm-hmm. You're not going to find it outside of community. You many people still avoid it in community, mm-hmm. but but it is a. I, I really like so. Here's what struck me, Paul, with what you were saying. I remember years ago, Kevin East and I were trying to describe you know our term presence that we use. Mm-hmm. We say someone's got a certain presence about them. Again, we didn't not like we invented that term, but we we're trying to talk about what do we mean when we say that. And the conclusion we came to was this person forces you to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And that's what we ended up just, just by their presence. And so there are people who have a presence of joy. Um, you can you be, either have to choose joy being with them right. or you have to actively deny right. the choice of joy that's exactly when right. you're with them. You, yeah. you, you can be joyful or not, but they're going to make you choose. And that is a really cool concept here of when we come to church, there are people who make me make choices. Whether I, whether I want to make those choices or not, they make choices um, as to whether I'm going to engage or not. That actually fits in really well with what we talk about when people are like, um, you know, I wish we I wish we did more of this or more of that. I wish we did less of this or less of that. Or when we'll say like, we we didn't call you to ask you which sermon series to do next. We John mm-hmm. John didn't reach out to ask you which songs to do this Sunday. Like. You get to choose your songs 165 hours a week, but for these three hours, we're going to ask you to make the decision to follow mm-hmm. what we're doing, and that that really works well in this picture. And and man, as we're talking about Nehemiah, I, I was just thinking about. I feel like now I could teach the book of Nehemiah with Hebrews 10 24 and 25 as my outline. Going, and this is these people they needed to accomplish something that no one of them could do. 
they knew a day was drawing near. And some of them were neglecting the work and neglecting it. And what they needed was someone to stir them up to these good works, to force them. Listen, your name either gets in the book or it doesn't. You're going to work on your section of the wall or not. If you do, your name is here. If you don't, we none of us have ever heard of you. And that's just a, that's really powerful. I feel like that's a very much, I, I feel that about South Spring, that I don't, I don't feel like it's, this is the, the stuff we try to accomplish here cannot be done by one person or even just a small handful of people. It just can't happen. Backing up even in, uh, back to Hebrews in chapter five, you know, you were mentioning quickly the, <clears throat> the idea of, of needing milk uh, and not mm. solid food. But, you know, it says in 5.11, about this, we have much to say. It is hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the biblical principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature for those who have the powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And here, and again, what is, what is the marker of the transition from milk to solid food? It is others. It is somebody else teaching you. Mm. Again, the concepts of the oracles of God, what God has said. And so, yeah, that to do, to think we can kind of do this alone, it just doesn't register. It doesn't no. make sense. It, it not by definition. Yeah. It can't work. So how do we now, as leaders in the church, I want to get your thoughts on this, Bob, as leaders, staff, as I'm, you know, as we're talking about this at the leadership board level with the servants and the deacons and others, how do, what are some thoughts on how we stir those who are at, you know, at first mattress, like uh, those who have gotten into the habit of not, of neglecting of meeting together, how, how do we, what are some good ways to communicate to people, because because I don't want it to be a a, a shaming wag right, your finger, because right. mm-hmm. I feel like that's a get back to church for the sake of getting back to church is an yeah. empty message. But encouraging one another and all the more, mm. it's not just the provoking; it's also the encouraging. Yeah, because and I so that's the lack of condemnation. Okay, it's it's going alongside of them and pulling them along with you. So your question is, how can we as a local church encourage that, right? Yeah, exactly. What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say I think that this is a great thing to talk about because at the at the leadership level, you'll be you know talking from the pulpit mm-hmm. and kind of from a high level explaining, okay, why why it is important to get back. A lot of people may be listening to the podcast, sitting in the in the chairs are going to be having the one-on-one conversations with the intimate relationships with people mm. who are saying, I'm not going back because of X or not, not even saying why they're not going back. They're just not going back. <laughs> and so I think having both sides of this of like, okay, how do we empower people and equip them to have these conversations biblically to help, help empower their friends and in their, in their specific community to get back to church. And I think this is really great stuff. That's, that's an that's excellent a, point. We need to, because the way this passage starts is we need to be thinking about this. We need to consider, consider how consider. to do this, which is what we're doing today and what we've been doing for the last few weeks off and on is let's think about how do we do this. And I like the idea of not just saying, hey, everybody get back to church, but even saying to people, here's how to help your friends get back. 
Mm-hmm. Like, here's how you mm-hmm. reach out to your friends and your family and say, you know, you need to invite. But we that is a that is a skill that's lost. I will tell you, it is. It is a skill that we have lost. I I feel maybe maybe it was we've never been as good at it as I thought we were. But the idea of inviting people to things, um, it's a passion of mine to invite people to things. Um, we still joke about the one time I invited a group of guys to movies to the movies and. For some reason, John Redfern, who's over there on the couch. Hi, John. Hey, Say John. hi. hi. Um, uh, that he wasn't on the email. And and I'm sitting at the movie, and the credits are getting started. And I text him, like, John, where are you? And he's like, "What? where am I what? And like, you're not coming to the movie? I didn't get invited to the movie. Like, oh, shoot. It's, oh, bummer. <laughs> that was, that's my – and, of course, he, re, he now, he, now, now he teases me about, yeah. like, uh-huh, sure, it was an accident. But uh, – <laughs> But we people. What's wild is there are people who I've invited to. I invite to movies, to games, to church, to other things, and then they I, I, sometimes they'll say, "Oh, ups, oh, oh, yeah, I went to that movie already. It's really good." I'm like, but "You didn't invite me. I invited <laughs> you to the last 19 movies, and then you went to this movie, and you didn't. It didn't. It still doesn't cross your mind to invite other people. And I think that's a skill we've got to get back. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of coaching our people. You you need to invite them. Very few people, their feelings are hurt by being invited. No. I've, I've talked to atheists who their feelings weren't hurt when I invited them to church. No, like, in Thanks fact, for inviting. They, they like being thought of. Right. Right. And everyone does, and so uh, a common need to be needed and wanted. Mm-hmm. Therefore, no, it's great. Well, something comes to my mind, and uh, it's, uh, it's from Acts chapter 2 and uh, verses 41 to 46. Uh these verses of Scripture uh, taken from the history book of the church called the book of Acts is very simple in its uh, what is really needed today. And one of the things that occurred, thousands of people were coming to Christ, but they didn't have large buildings in which to uh, gather. Right. And so what do you do in verse 41 with 3,000 people? Uh, they were... I. I I take it that they were born again, they were added, they had been baptized, and so they were not only professing, but they were baptized believers. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the koinonia, to communion, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Well, it occurred to me, as I sometimes teach this to a group called The Forge on uh, ecclesiology, you know, about the church, but it occurred to me that they didn't have the large buildings. They didn't have church buildings until I think the third or fourth century. I think that's right. Not big and, ones. And and so, uh, how do you get people to be engaged in these kinds of activities? These four, in verse forty-two, uh, unless you break it down into bite-sized groups. Uh, and then, as I was thinking about it more and more, prayer. It's one thing for people to be led in prayer. It's another thing for them to pray. And uh, I have experienced small groups for over 50 years. Mm -hmm. And when people get in groups of 10 and under, for example, they're more likely to pray themselves and not be ashamed or embarrassed by the way they pray. When people pray, they're very aware of themselves, and they're very aware that they Mm -hmm. may not rise to the level of praying of, you know, Chris or John up front or Paul. And so what I'm saying is I'm a real advocate 
of breaking the larger church down yeah. into small groups where people can be engaged and active. And I think that's where people are really going to grow. Yeah. And, and so what I did for 15 years with East West was, uh, was work with nationals and uh, all these foreign countries, mostly in uh, Southeast Asia, but uh, even Cuba and, uh, and, you know, all these different places. And when I would preach, it was very interesting. Uh, I would be preaching not at a large place. Sometimes they, there were, there were some larger venues, but 90% of the time I would uh, accept on a weekend uh, preaching at a small house church. And there could not have, I mean, these were not large churches, large homes. These were, uh, these were probably homes that in a room you could pack 20, maximum 25 people. And uh, oftentimes children were there, and oftentimes a, a pet dog was there. And it was really <laughs> neat to see a dog rededicate his life <laughs> and just come out. But, but the point of it, you know, I had to really become very. We'll cover ex- that next week. Yes, very accepting of all these things. But, you know, to hear men. Here's where I'm going with this thing. If you really want the family to be affected, you've got to get the men involved and engaged. Yeah. And to get them to a point that they're not going to feel ashamed of their lack of leadership in that in that arena called spiritual living, you've got to give them the opportunity of acceptance and encouragement mm-hmm. and, and just ask them to pray for something simple. My point of it is invite people. What, what would really be a great idea is not just saying we're going to have a program of small groups, but if the leadership could say, now, here are some trained people, and I would like you guys to go out and to invite some people in the church and maybe in your neighborhood and, and, and just bring about five or six families together, let them know what you're going to do, and then go after it. You're going to find that people are, are going to feel cared for. You don't get cared for on a Sunday morning. Right. You don't pray on a Sunday morning. At best, you're entering into some singing, which we hope they will try to do. But if you look, one of my goals as a pastor was always, if I can get some of these men to sing, I'll feel really good about this. And I wasn't a worship leader. I'm just saying I would love to get these people doing it. So many of those things that they're doing, that the leadership is doing, they're not as, as engaged as we want them to. Responding to the word, Yes, but how many men in our society today compartmentalize and say, okay, I've given God this hour, but now the rest of not just the week, but my own Sunday is mine, mm-hmm. right. my own Sunday. So I'll do whatever I want. My point is if we, would, if we could maximize in some way sending out the men that we think now are trained to handle some of the apostolic teaching and to lead in prayer, and just on a simple level that isn't so threatening as getting up before 500 people on a Sunday morning, then maybe we could accomplish a whole lot more in terms of that stimulation to love and good deeds. Because the thing is, when people experience that kind of care, that kind of spiritual working amongst themselves and involvement in, in something supernatural, it's amazing how that overflows, and they want others to be a part of that. And so I think it has a natural growth concept. And then you have to also say, okay, now this is a person, this is what I do as I work with Panko. These guys that are in this group, these two groups, Monday and Thursday night, it's, it's a wonderful thing to observe people that have different gifts and to say, you may have 
a real desire to communicate God's word. That might be a, some kind of a communication gift, whether mm-hmm. exhortation or evangelism or pastor, teacher, or just teacher. So whatever the case, if I notice those kind of people and then I say, have you ever thought about getting more training, but have you ever thought about really testing the waters, meaning getting a group of your own of five or six people where you're comfortable. In other words, don't make them PhDs when you just graduated from college, right? Mm-hmm. My point is, so when you get some people, like if you're you know, 24, 25, get a high school group of, of seven or eight guys and just see how God blesses that and how much, how satisfied and joyful you are about the process. Point being, I try to get some of these people that are in my groups to then get other groups right. to participate. Now, that's just discipleship. Mm-hmm. That's my right. point is, that's what the local church needs to do, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Right. They need to spread out and give people a comfort to stimulate one another where it's really going to happen, where they, can, where they feel like they're accepted in their questions, which they don't ask in a worship service. There you go. So that that's where I'm going with the Acts 2, 41 to 46. I think we need to make much more of that. When you have 1,500 people who say, I'm a member here at South Spring, well, are they all being stimulated to love and good deeds by Sunday morning? And even today, yeah. how many people mm-hmm. are there? Less than one-third of those who have their name written on the membership roll, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. If you're lucky. And, and so <clears> – <throat> Lucky, not a there you go. Yeah, <laughs> but, but my point is, uh, this is what I think we need to be doing. We need to. We're here, and this is what I really see in the staff, John. I see this in you guys so clearly that that you want to serve these people. Well, one of the best ways to serve them, if we're to define that, is to make them a success. Mm-hmm. How can you do that? It's not by having them just come on Sunday morning. Right. It's by getting them engaged in where they feel comfortable, where they can communicate truth, they can be accepted, and actually be used by God in other people's lives. You give a man that kind of experience, and it's going to change his whole family. Amen. Mm. That is so true. And what a great, great stuff. What a great prayer with 43, <clears throat> just even our con- you know, for our congregation to see God's power in such a way that awe comes upon their soul. There you go. Exactly.